Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start, but let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ, and it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo, this gives me the Kaliwabas just thinking about it. All right, today we're going to be continuing on in Exodus, and this is chapter 35, verse 1, and we'll just go ahead and head first. Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on, on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwelling on the Sabbath day. That seems pretty harsh, if you ask me. I would like <laughs> to talk about this. Sure. You shall kindle no fire throughout your habitation upon the Sabbath day. That makes it sound like that you can't even have a fire. Now, I know we've read about the, you know, you do your boiling and all that prior to the Sabbath. Well, even back then, that was a lot of work to boil something. Not only you had to gather, you know, sticks or something that would catch on fire. There was a methodology. There, you know, it was a lot more than just gathering and lighting something with a match or even a lighter. Right. Like we do today. A lot of people say that such things such as this are binding even today. Is that true? About the Sabbath or like... About doing these type no work of... that you should be put to death, you shouldn't even kindle a fire. And if that's still true today, then what are we doing going into our vehicles, going to church on the Sabbath? Well, I think you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head when you first started off by saying it was a lot of work. Uh huh. And, and I've kind of kind of heard it des- described to me this way. So let's do a one for one comparison. Let's just say like a meal with chicken and let's say potatoes of some kind and, and carrots. Back then it was an entire day's worth of work to kill the chicken, pluck the chicken, possibly skin it and boil it or roast it. Oh wait, wait, we can't roast it yet because we got to gather all the sticks, get the right. wood, start the fire. You can't just take a pot and put it right on top of a, a little flame. You got to get that little flame bigger and then you got to get it even bigger. Then you got to get the pot out. Then you got to, I'm just saying it's not, it was hours of involved work and there was no, there was no in, intense time that you really had to spend with the Lord when it comes to this. And that was the purpose in this is to spend time with God. But today, if you prepared your meal ahead of time and you take a plate out of the microwave or I'm sorry, out of the fridge and stick it in the microwave, hit 30 seconds and pull it out. Like there's no work. There's no stress. There's no stress. Now, here's another concept to consider. Uh, people like me, I'd like to cook. I, you know, Ooh. um, 
Now, if I was doing it for a living, it'd be a different story. But I'm, you know, I'm Italian. I love having fresh food. I, I don't like leftovers. Yes, Italiano. I am doing the hand gesture thing. <laughs> <laughs> I talk with my hands. It's know, a thing. There's I see you do that when you say that. And, Every time yeah. you say Italian, you're like Italian. <laughs> I love it. Hey, let me make an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> but me, I've always, you know, considered doing something that I like doing, such as cooking, as time with the Lord, especially if I'm by myself. Even if I'm not by myself, I still consider everything that I do, I do it with the Lord. If I can't do it with the Lord, I shouldn't be doing it all. On the Sabbath, it's like, okay, I want to have a fresh meal. And to me, peeling a potato is no work at all. So I'll peel a potato. Maybe I won't peel 12. That's to me, that is work. <laughs> but I will, pay, you know, if, if it's just me, maybe one other person, I will make a meal. And I will feel fine doing that because it's pleasant for me to do. It's not work. And if I'm by myself cooking, usually I'm talking to the Lord anyways. I'm peeling a potato going, Lord, potatoes this season or whatever. I don't know. I'm saying something. I'm talking about, I'm probably not even talking about the potato usually when I'm peeling a potato. And, and that's just an example yeah, of cooking something in general. Yeah. Okay? yeah. I'm not always peeling potato on a side. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, and this is a good point as, as far as uh, just sticking with like the, the work side of the Sabbath, uh, a, a lot of it, and, and this is, oh man, I, I wish I remember. I think it was Doug Batchelor who said, when it comes to doing, doing certain things on the Sabbath day, he said for a lot of people, it's a lot of different things because of ex exactly what you're talking about. But his main thing is, is he says, if it's something, what, how did he put it? He said, like, you're talking about peeling a potato for a meal. He said, you're not going to prepare your, your, prepare your week's worth of meals on the Sabbath. Like, Correct. that's the point. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to heat up your food, but yeah. And, and it was, it was something that was very, very straightforward when it, when it comes to that. But uh, why, maybe, maybe I could say this and I, I have my own ideas, but maybe I get your guys' opinion. Why? In verse 2, right at the very end, it says, Whoever does any work on it, meaning the Sabbath, shall be put to death. Why is it that God made... Because this was not the only one, by the way, just so you know. Right. It, adultery at one point was. At one point, I don't think we've gotten this far yet, but I believe even disobeying your parents, or they called it an unruly child, can be put to death. Yeah, even God said that uh, they will be put to death. It was, I think, it was in Isaiah as well. Yeah, said, uh, I, yeah. Why is it that so many times throughout this this section, like of of the Bible itself, through Exodus, when it's giving the laws for the first time, why are some of the punishments just nope? Shoo, all you go, you go straight to the death penalty. I mean, in our minds, we we look at it and we go, oh wow, that just seems so well, hard. I think we got to remember one thing. Even though the uh, the Ten Commandments is still binding today, we're not immediately put to death. In the end, the Ten Commandments and accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior are the two functionalities of our salvation. These are they who obeyed my commandments. Right. At the and um, you're quoting Revelation there. Yes. Yeah. In the very end, those who did not accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and did not keep the commandments will be put to death. These 
I feel are the foreshadow of what's going to happen and why it was binding at the time. Oh. After all this is done, there's supposed to be no more sin, right? In the end, yeah. When God's yeah, all so, said and done, new new heavens, new earth, the whole thing, it's sin's supposed to be over. Exactly. So what happens if someone does sin? Will they die automatic? Will we automatically never sin ever again? Not trying to make things difficult. God will write the laws in our hearts, and we're not going to sin. But before that time, there is going to be a death for the sins that were committed that were against God's commandments. Uh, I think one thing, too, to remember is that these are all teachings, and they were to, they were to teach lessons, right? So teaching your kids, you might be like, don't eat this soap you know, the dish soap, because that's going to make you sick. But don't run out into the street because you're going to die. You know, like there's there's different degrees when you're learning, because in real life, there's different consequences. <laughs> like, right. you know, so yeah. as you're as you're doing things, it's not to say that one sin is worse than the other, like, because, you know, when you're sitting, you know, your heart needs work. But in real life, like he's I feel like he's kind of teaching cause and effect and this action reaction. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Eating cake, you might get a stomach ache, but if you touch the stove, you're going to burn yourself and that hurts, you know, like, so like practically there are just different degrees of punishment and, and feeling even just getting a stomach ache when you eat cake, like that's a consequence. That's like God's wrath. You know, it's a very practical, <laughs> um, you know, it's like if you are drinking and you get a hangover, you know, like even that level, like toxins in your body. And that is the response. That's how God made us. And that's how we know that what we're doing is wrong. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, uh, you guys are just talking about between what both of you have said. Also, another thing, I'm thinking of the history of Israel. For the longest time, Israel was not living their life in accordance with necessarily, necessarily in accordance with God's will. Because think about it. They were in Egypt for how long? And I'm sure they, they, they didn't understand this, like Susanna, like you were talking about, this, this direct cause and effect. Well, you know, I worship the Egyptian gods. Nothing happened to me. These type of things. And now all of a sudden God's like, okay, no, we, we have to kind of put our foot down. I almost, I almost see it like this. And, and, and maybe, maybe I kind of, they're, they're somewhere in between. But I almost see it like this. Imagine if you were fostering children and all of a sudden you were given five children to, you know, to, to be a foster parent to. Well, guess what? Most most children in the system usually have an unruly attitude or something like that because they've been through so much. They just they don't have that. They didn't have that structure. But all of a sudden, let's say Susanna, they go to your house and there's five children. They're unruly, and all of a sudden, you you kind of lay the hammer down and you say, "No, these are the rules." Boom, 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 boom. You know, these are the these are the, the ten rules that we're going to obey. Now, all of a sudden, it seems in their mind so harsh and so out of so out of the ordinary that they've been used to, I think God had to, because God knew that Christ was going to come out of this, right? Christ was coming out of the seed of Abraham, and God had to, quite frankly, be as extreme as possible to help them understand from the beginning that these the that sin is is not tolerable and not necessarily just from a judgment standpoint but sin is intolerable in the presence of god like sin is the literal opposite of god's character and god had to make them understand that 
and every type of sin has a negative consequence right. in yeah. your life. Yeah, so I think it's a lot of what, what, what's being said here. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and like what you said, someone coming from no rules or completely different rules, you know, you have to lay this down. If you have a kid who you've raised and you trust, they know what you expect, you don't have to give them as strict of rules because you trust them. Not saying you can let them do whatever they want, but you know that they're going to do yeah. the right thing. So they don't need all those boundaries. But we see these people coming out who have never had those boundaries and they're not trustworthy and they're not doing the right thing. So they need <laughs> boundaries. You know, God is the father and he's raising children at this point. These are unruly babies, rebellious teenagers, you know, that need boundaries. And the idea is that you'd be, you know, you would be that, that trusted son or daughter eventually that you don't. You don't need that. Right. And you really are unruly teenagers. Look at the parties they had. I, I was just gonna say that. I was gonna say go back a few episodes, man. What you, what did they just do? They violated everything that they promised God that, that he that they would keep. So but anyway, yeah. In the Torah, there's all these patterns, right? And um the the number of years, so like if you take the whole genealogy and you look at the amount of years that people were, and you take the average of that year, like the the average amount of years um, that people were when they had their son is 100 years old. It's however old Abraham was when he was told that he would be the father of a nation. So was he 100 or was he like nine? Uh, yeah, okay. So when he was 100, it's when 100. he like had uh, Isaac, right? Yeah. So... Like, that is literally the exact average of all those people in Genesis lineology of how old they were when they had their first son. And then you take the amount of years that those parents fathered their sons before that son had another son, and that's like 400 and some years. And it's the exact same amount of years that was between Abraham and uh, them getting into the promised land, or them... <laughs> Like the same, like four hundred and something. You know, I don't have all these numbers off the top. No, of my that head, would that would like, be about right. Yeah, because they were not. Yeah. It, it wasn't that they were in slavery for four hundred and some years. It was they would be away from the promised land and in slavery for four hundred and some years. So yeah, you're right. You're right so, yeah. so it's like God, like that pattern is like all right. This is the age of like um, having a son. You know, so Abraham was like the father having the son of Israel, and this is how long they're parented before they go into the promised land and that's how long they're there so like that's laying out that they're literally our kid they're in the position of kids right now being parented so all these yeah. guidelines and stuff are with that <laughs> in mind so you're saying they're literal teenagers at this point <laughs> yes they are <laughs> and i think that that helps these make more sense like we're like oh these all seem so strict or so specific yeah, but, but like if you put that in mind like a father putting down rules for these untrustworthy, you know, yeah. learning teenagers, it makes a little more sense. Well, and we got to look at it from God's perspective. We can't, we, we often try to attribute human characteristics upon God all the time. We try to humanism, humanize him all the time. And especially those who are typically on the negative side of religion and negative side of, of, of Christianity and hate it. 
they always try to attribute these things to they, these negative things to God. Oh well, he, he destroyed an entire city. Yeah, but you you, you got to look at it from God's perspective. Like he knew what everything was going on. Like, but yeah, sorry. That that he already one, that knew their hearts and everything. Right, he, he already knew their hearts and everything. All right. Um, so uh, verse four, I'll read just read a few more verses and we'll keep going. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is a thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold and silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. I think that's pretty straightforward. That's just all the items that we've been reading about for the last several chapters. This is definitely like a repeat. Yeah, like almost in order. So I just love what it says, like, whoever is of a willing heart, you know? So it's like... That idea that if everyone gives as much as they're willing or as much as they can with that willing, happy heart, like there will be enough with the expectation that they're going to have as much as they need. (laughs) It kind of reminds me of the New Testament story, the husband and wife where they lied about what they had. Oh, the willing heart. Yeah. So they did. Yeah. Yeah. They lied about it. And they're like, he said, what you owned was yours to do what you wanted to do with. You didn't have to lie about it. But because you lied about it, here's death. And the Holy Spirit yeah. dropped him dead. But in, in this, this is a good point, though, too, because even when, even in the New Testament, when, uh, when Scripture talks about tithing and offering and these type of things, it, it, God wants us to give it from your heart right because like joyfully right yeah not begrudgingly because if if we do that then what are we actually giving we're doing it out of a sacrifice right 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 yeah and god desires mercy and not sacrifice right he want he wants us to give it to him with an attitude of lord i want you to do something great with this onyx this bag of onyx stones i have please use it doesn't that just like explain so much of human nature too where like like, if I was going to take out the trash, you know, and then my husband is like, hey, take out the trash. I'm like, I was going to do it anyways, and I was going to do it happily, but now you told me I have to do it, and I'm grumpy about it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, human beings, we do have a retaliatory, like, attitude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely goes better when we just have the desire to do it and we want right. to do it willingly. Bible thumpers <laughs> would call that rebellious. Rebellious. <laughs> you rebellious people, you stiff neck. No, wait. No, and the stiff neck. I'm quoting the Bible, by the way. Stiff neck has been used several times now about Israel. <laughs> exactly. And God was the one that labeled him that. Yep. Okay. Um, continuing on, verse 10. All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all the Lord, all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent, its coverings, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, the ark and its poles, with the mercy seat and the veil of covering, the table and its poles, all its utensils, and the showbread, also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamp, and the oil for the light. Verse 15, and the 
an incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating and its poles, all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court, and their cords, the garments of the ministry for ministering in the holy place, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. So yeah, they're looking for skilled people. <laughs> Although, you know, and I, I, this, sound, this sounds so bad because I'm, I'm not... I'm not one that that necessarily believes directly into this, but Israel would not necessarily have had all of these skills unless they were slaves in Egypt. Do you catch that? I'm not saying they wouldn't have been, but think of the culture that they were building these. Yeah. Think of the culture that they were building these things for. Like they need stone, like in Egypt, stone workers, fine linen, they had to have, I, I guarantee you they had tents, but they also had their slaves make their own houses, like make them make the Egyptian homes. And I'm just saying, we're talking about people that men and women that were very skilled in a, a myriad of things because they had to be. If you catch my drift, I'm not yeah, saying that Egypt God today is like uh, what you would see in a big, huge city, you know, of architecture art um you know history uh, and all these other well arts artsy stuff right you know all this high tech pinky up in the air type of tea sipping type of things you know what i'm saying yeah (laughs) i mean you go you go to some place in a big huge city and you find all these fancy things that just says i'm rich Uh, basically egypt was the united states back then or any other modern country of height that's for, not like first world third country world, yeah first world world country excuse me first world country uh of the of its day they wanted to make sure that their slaves and their servants and everybody else who was in some form of um industrialist type business to be on top of their game they wanted to be the most intelligent. They wanted to be the most expertise, the most talented. It, I mean, it was kind of like uh, America's Got Talent today type thing going on. <laughs> Who could be the best, you know, and that'll show everybody. Uh, it was kind of like a Nazi type of, uh, I won't say dress, but kind of like attitude. Like, um, what what was their thing? The Anthropolitan race or whatever it was. Uh, oh, the... Uh... I won't say master race, but it was their ideal of. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but it was like the ascended race, like the. Yeah. Yeah. Egypt was kind of, I won't say they won't, they weren't Nazis, obviously, but they were, in regards to showmanship, that's how they were. Well, I mean, the, even the, the pharaoh himself thought he was a god. Like, exactly. he thought, like, when he died, he was going to ascend. And that's showmanship. He had to put on a showmanship oh, yeah. every single second of his life. Even his death was a showmanship. And that carried on into kingdoms that are going on today. Mm-hmm. What you said about them basically learning all those skills when they're in Egypt is really profound. Really connected to what we've been talking about in our church group at home. 
you know, we like to have all this shame or like guilt of kind of what we might have done like before we were saved. We're like, oh, the enemy likes to remind me that I live this way or this way. And like, I don't know, we kind of like hold that down. But like when you look at the the prodigal son story, it was the son going to the pig pen that, you know, like that's God's plan. It was him going to the pig pen that made him want to come back. Triggered. And when he came back, God rejoiced over him, you know, even more than the one that never left. So like when we, when we leave and when we, you know, when we sin and when we receive those consequences for sin, you know, we're, we're learning and we're gaining these experiences. Not that like Paul says that when there's laws and there's sin, good results. Should we sense that good result? No. You know, all these things, like when, when bad happens, great, more good results from that bad. Here you see Israel, they were in slavery. You know, that's not a good thing. But in a way, because God's perfect and his plan is perfect, that is a good thing because that was necessary to train them and to like start their journey to returning back to God. So when they did come, they had all these willing hearts and all these skills and all these things that they'd learned yeah. that they start to then put to God. So if they had never been through that, they wouldn't have those experiences, those skills. One verse comes to mind when you're bringing that up is uh, all things work together for good, but I'm going to quote the whole thing. So, okay. All things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's by the way, that's the whole verse. If you, if you, chop out if anybody wants to quote that verse and you chop out those last two pieces you're missing the point you're missing the the because type of thing yeah, it yeah, has for, to be for god and it has to be within his parameters yeah it's it's got to be it's for it's for his glory and it's for those who love god it's just like so, um i'm just one saying verse that oh, ask ahead. and you shall receive it's not ask for anything you want <laughs> <laughs> it has to be of God. Right. I, I'm just saying, like, purpose. yeah, God well, God had a purpose behind this, and it was, yeah, this was good. That's good. So this is verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. For all its service and for all its holy, all the holy garments. Verse 22. They came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skins of rams, and badger skins brought them. Every one who offered an offering of silver and of bronze brought the Lord's offering. And every one with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose heart stirred with wisdom, spun yarn and goat's hair. See, and that I did not know. I did not know you could, do, you could spin goat's hair. I, I got to check that out sometime. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to, to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and the spices and the oils for the light, for the anointing oil and for the, 
and for the sweet incense. And the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work, which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. And that's kind of reiterating what Susanna was saying before about just the willing hearts to to move forward with us and say, oh, hey, God's asking for it. Let's go do it. Yeah. I mean... I th- although I think it's interesting that it says um, the rulers were the ones that brought the onyx stones. Is that is that the rulers that he said that will be in charge of tens and then hundreds and then thousands? Which verse was that? Um, 27. I don't think mine has rulers. 27. What does yours say? Oh, it does have rulers. And the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set in Ephod. So question. it sounds like the rulers were the ones who had the stones. Although I don't know why they would have stones specifically. I don't. I don't know, but I, I like that it's it's it says free will offering. So is it saying that all of this is a free will offering? That's what I'm getting out of it. Okay. Okay. So it's just saying, and like kind of the punchline, all of Israel brought a free will offering. Yeah, would kind of suck if nobody brought anything. Yeah. <laughs> they, they I, I know this is a what if scenario here, but could you imagine if like no one brought anything? Oh man, I, I, I feel like, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, what would God do? Cause I think somebody, yeah. we were going through Genesis and we said, uh, like we, I, I think I asked the question or something when we were talking about Joseph and how he was thrown in the pit and how he was, you know, taken to Egypt and blah, 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 all this stuff. Right. And I said, what would have happened if he wouldn't have been thrown in the pit and then sold into slavery? I, I, I'm Egypt sure probably would have suffered and. I'm certain that God would have found another way of saving his yeah. family, but I think it would have happened somehow or another. Like I, he probably would have been kidnapped. <laughs> while I was out shepherding or something. <laughs> something would have happened. Yeah, something would happen. <laughs> you, you'd almost think God knew what was going on here. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe he would have um, interpreted someone else's dream while he was free, and the Pharaoh would have been like, "Hey, I heard hey. what you did." I heard of you this know, this kid named Joseph. Kind of like the eunuch and uh, the apostle. Oh, know? right. Yeah. He just ran into it. Wasn't that, was that Peter? I think it was Peter. Yeah, it had to have been Peter. Yeah, because he, he disappeared and appeared next to the eunuch or something, and then he disappeared right after the baptism or no, something. No, no, he, he was, um, or was, it, was doing something, and he was, he was traveling was down the road. The, reading uh, one of the books and yeah, that's right. They the were traveling. Was like, do you know what that's about? And he's like, I, I don't have a clue. Can you explain it to me? Yeah. If only and, I had uh, someone. That did. And it. then after the baptism, Peter was transported, but like Star Trek from, one I was going to say, it was like a teleportation or something. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember as a teenager, first time of reading that and it, it blew my mind. I, I was, I go, what? And it, it, it said blow so- my mind, but I was like, "What does that mean? Like, did he, did right. he just reappear? Or like, <laughs> right? Is this another one of those mistranslations things?" Like, <laughs> yeah, I just found it very interesting. But was Flash in existence back then? 
Hey, the angels are like Flash, man. What are you kidding? Exactly. Okay, so let me go ahead and finish this out. We only have a few more verses. Uh, but just as kind of a, a side note, this is one of those places in Scripture that the next chapter break is kind of in a bad spot. So we're going to start into something that's going to be happening, and then it's going to kind of kind of leave off to chapter 36. So, uh, to so this continued. is to be continued. Uh, so this is verse 30. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in the wisdom of understanding the knowledge and all manner of worksmanship. To design, so he's an architect, to design architect works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels, for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic worksmanship. Sorry, up up top it was artistic, not architect. Uh, Verse 34, And he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and... I'm going to mess up this name. I'm sorry ahead of time. Ahoyleab, the son of Ahiamash, in the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with the skills to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver those who do every work and those who design artistic works. And then the, the story kind of continues in verse 36. That's why we're kind of have to leave it at a beat to be continued because chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 36, chapter 36 just goes and Bazel and, and then they, they did this and they did this and they did this. So next time on the next episode and on the next episode, the works of cunning happens in a section area. What will their service be commanded? Dun, 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 dun. So the one thing I can take out of that section, though, that was powerful, I think, is where it says, uh, verse 51, I'm sorry, 31, and he filled, he, meaning God, has filled him, meaning Bezalel, with the Spirit of God. I find that interesting because there's so many people that, that I, I have heard and it's it it saddens me now that I that I now that I know that the 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 Godhead, the Trinity, if you will, has been around since before Genesis started. It was always Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because I, I was taught when I was younger that the Holy Spirit didn't even come into existence until what? Acts when Christ was born? No, no, yeah. in, in until Acts. Like oh, really? Yeah. Because that was when the yeah. Holy Spirit was given. I was given. only taught that the Son didn't exist until. No, no, I mean the Holy Spirit. Jesus. Okay. Just, just the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit didn't ex- exist until Acts. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, what I was right. always taught. Yeah. Although I, I know what you're talking about, though. There, there are some that believe that Jesus didn't even come into existence till then. But I'm just saying, through all of these studies, for those of you who have not listened to Genesis, Genesis was a powerful run through Genesis because. So many times we we had to stop and we say, "Wow, there's a Holy Spirit. 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 There's a Spirit of God." Like the Holy Spirit was given the same couple of names of Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. I think some versions say. I think I think that's the the just the King James says that. 
I'm just even saying then, it's oh. it's powerful here that we 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 even find in the book of Exodus that God was like, nope, I filled this man with the Spirit of God. You know, in, in order for him to book do this. John said that uh, the Spirit was in the beginning. You know, but yeah. then it became flesh. Yeah, and when someone's filled with the Spirit, they're filled with you know they're filled with the desire to teach and to do all of his inventive uh, craftsmanship and all of his his work. You know, so it's like we see that now where it says. You know, you'll know his people by their fruits, because when you're filled with the spirit, what do you do? You know, you you want to teach and you want to do good and you want to give and you want to do all these things. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I like that. How it's how it's you, you just mentioned create. The word here says artistry or artistic. Uh, I think it says artistic works. And that's beautiful. That's that's so awesome, because that means that God is not also not just a God of order, but he is also a God of artistic works. He loves when his creation creates because, you know, obviously for his glory, obviously, you know, there's a lot of not so nice things that we can create that aren't for his glory. But my point is, is that he loves to see when our expressions. Yes. When human beings are able to express uh, what's, what's in our hearts and and what God made us for. I I just, I think that's, I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a I'm a starving artist, just so you guys know. <laughs> is that uh, is that code word for uh, unsuccessful? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like my art, so. <laughs> oh, that's all that matters. I, then. Yeah. I hope it, I hope it gives God a chuckle or something <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Would one of you guys like to lead us out in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord Christ, the Holy Spirit, thank you for uh, again for another episode, studying your word, talking about this and that within your parameters, and uh, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and pray for everybody that needs salvation and healing and uh, your bread, Lord, and uh, well, once again, thank you free word jesus christ name we love and pray amen amen well this has been justin this has been antonio this is Susanna. thanks for joining us everybody until next time bye ciao ciao now listen just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation you can find biblical chili on almost any social media outlet and if you're not a big fan of youtube Just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. And, uh uh-oh. Ah! Oh, Susanna! Susanna! Wait, how's that go? (laughs) Oh, Susanna? Uh, That's as far as I've gone. I'm not going to remind you. I'm not going to remind you of the song. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.